At 37%, millennials are currently the largest generation in the workforce. They make up over a quarter of the population in Canada, and the most educated among them are women. In 2019, millennials will make up the largest block of voters. This generation is shaping our expectations around technology and convenience. In this episode, we look at how they are influencing the justice sector. Last year, we worked with Abacus Data to publish Millennials, Technology and Access to Justice in Ontario. The report found that 58% of millennials have trouble finding information about how the justice system works. 45% have a hard time finding information about their legal rights. These are stunning results given that millennials are one of the most educated and socially engaged generations. Our results also found that this group shows a keen interest in a range of access to justice initiatives. The most appealing was an online legal database that allows users to search for information about common legal problems, learn from other people's experiences, or find a legal professional in their area. But what does this mean for the justice sector more broadly? How is it responding? Our guests today share their unique perspectives on innovation and change. Last spring, we spoke with Yasser Nakvi. At the time, he was Ontario's Attorney General. We asked him to reflect on his ministry's efforts with a modernization agenda. I've always been very mindful that when we now talk about access to justice in the context in the 21st century, we have to look at technology and the use of technology as part of that uh, access to justice equation. In order for us to have a justice system that is fully accessible to people of all socioeconomic background, uh, people of all ages, we need to make sure that it uh, not only exists in its current form, uh, which is a building where we go and fill out forms, but also be accessible uh, through technologies that are available to us. To exclude one or the other, I think, seriously undermines um, in the era we live in um, the, the, the utility and the relevance of the justice system. We asked him about responsiveness and how it relates to public confidence. This is in light of findings from our 2016 Public Perceptions of Access to Justice in Ontario report. It found that four in 10 people in Ontario do not believe that they have fair and equal access to the justice system. So your report that was done is a very important piece of work. You may recall me citing it often uh, because those numbers really took me by surprise. And and as the attorney general and as as a lawyer, a member of the society worries me, we cannot afford Um, to have that level of distrust um, exist because I think it undermines a very important part of our democratic uh, system and institution that exists to ensure that justice prevails uh, and there's rule of law in in our society. Technology has a very important part to play in rebuilding that trust. And the way it does, in my view, is by making the system more accessible. Um, by having a system that is too dogmatic or too based on a certain way of doing things uh, makes it an exclusive uh, place for many, many people. Um, And then it results in, I may not see justice, so I'm not going to use the system. I would also say to you that the drive to use technology um, is 
quite being sought out by the profession as well. I mean, I've I've spoken to more lawyers, especially younger lawyers, comes as no surprise, who are saying, why can we not do better? Why are we still using fax machines? You know, why do I have to go to a counter every time to to file a document? Are, are there not better ways? So I've actually welcomed that, that pressure uh, from the profession um, and then working with them to uh, address those specific needs. But I would say to you, um, writ large, the profession is quite keen to see those uh, changes. We spoke with David Coletto, one of the founding partners and CEO of Abacus Data, about how we're increasingly relying on technology for everything. That is what access to the, the World Wide Web, if you call it that, has given us. And when we have very credible data saying 94% of millennials, and this is from CRTC data, have a smartphone, right? It suggests that even if you're in the lowest income bracket, you're still, you certainly need that technology to, to just live your life. You're willing to make sacrifices to get it. Um, that suggests that you will also, and perhaps more likely, be willing to solve your problems in a way that is one more convenient, two more affordable, and that is why I think a lot of these other services that we talk about being disruptive um, are not just services used by you know middle or upper class or or, 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 or middle income young people, but they're being used by all of us. Jeevith Rubakumar is part of a new generation of lawyers that is working at the intersection of law and technology, an interest that was sparked in law school. Well, right before graduating, I got introduced to this program called Law Without Walls, where I learned how to leverage technology to solve um, the inefficiencies in uh, the legal marketplace, right? How services are being delivered and how we could improve it using technology. Uh, during that project, I uh, my team was able to come up with a solution to help uh victims in war-torn countries report uh, instances of um, sexual violence where maybe it's the government forces that are perpetrating the violence, right? So uh, the, the victims didn't have a place to go to. So we were trying to collect evidence using technology. And after that, I just, I just felt like law is a powerful tool and I feel like through technology, you could really amplify its reach. Jeevith was the inaugural winner of the Ontario Access to Justice Challenge, presented in partnership by Ryerson University's Legal Innovation Zone and the Ministry of the Attorney General in 2016. His company, Pardon, aims to enhance access to justice for those with a criminal record. Jeevith was a master's student at York University's Osgoode Hall Law School when he won the competition. He has gone on to focus on the company full-time. Pardon is an online platform that aims to reduce the time, cost, and complexities of the criminal record suspension process. About 10% of Canadians have a criminal record. So just to break it down, a record suspension is for those who have had a criminal record, and depending on their charge, after 5 or 10 years, uh, they're eligible to get that suspended. For Jeevith, there is a tension in balancing his roles as a lawyer and an innovator. His lived experience is something that also informs the client-centered approach to his work. I've seen a family member go through that process of 
you know, trying to get that record uh, suspension, saw how complex it was and how expensive it was as well. Um, while I was interning at a law firm, I was able to see the inefficiencies of the process as well, right? And um, if, if you think about it, it's going to take a secretary or a legal assistant maybe up to two hours to fill out all those forms, whereas we have the technology now to automate all that. Many young lawyers, especially coming from diverse backgrounds, are starting to find their own niche because they are addressing concerns they have seen growing up or in the communities that they come from where there may not be a whole lot of trust for lawyers uh, or for the justice uh, system. And they're saying, hey, you know, justice system is there to protect you and are finding that unique ways of providing important legal services. And it's not just millennials, it's, it's every generation, every big generation that comes along has an impact on, on institutions. And I think there, there would be plenty of opportunities to show how baby boomers had the same kind of effect simply because of their size and influence, that, that they did change institutions, maybe in subtle ways. And, and it was slow change, but it still changed because uh, they, they demanded something a little bit differently. And if you didn't change, then you opened yourself up to, to disruption. I use the banking sector as an example that that has moved incredibly quickly for for what is often been seen as a kind of legacy legacy sector slow to move. Their adoption of digital banking, for example, uh, and and the threat that that some of the disruptors in their sp space pose has has forced them to change. Where I think there's there's been less change is in some of the more public institutions. So I mean, I mean, the work we've done with 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 TAG and the Law Society around, you know, the digitization of the justice system and access to justice uh, online, as an example. I think in the, in the education system, uh, universities, colleges, and so on have been much slower to change, despite the fact that they their their primary service point or the, or the primary user of that system are younger or the next generation. We asked David if there were any surprises in the Millennials and Technology Report data. What, what did, I think, not surprise me, but maybe um, shatter a myth a little bit or, or a preconceived notion that the justice system or the legal profession is so far behind, right? But what I think we learned in this study was that, on the, yes, there's some work to do and, you know, you're not as innovative or perceived to be as innovative as other sectors. Um, there is still some change happening that people are recognizing. Experimentation in the justice, I think it's, it's, it's anxiety-driven because, again, we've known the system, the way it works. The system is responsible for people's livelihood, people responsible for people's liberty, so there, there, there is that element of real-life consequences that, that uh, may prevent us from, from experimenting. But we experiment in medical sciences as well, and we're talking about people's lives and people's well-being. And if we had not done that experimentation, I don't think we would have been living the kind of quality of life that, that we live. So I think if, as long as experimentation is done with the appropriate checks and balances and is done in a responsible way, um, it can provide us with lots of new opportunities uh, to explore uh, I'm not the uh, the kind of person who says, no, we will not experiment because it may be too disruptive. I think disruptive uh, nature of the, the society that we live in um, it allows us to ask some difficult questions, allows us to, uh, to, to 
to challenge conventional wisdom and to see if there's a better way of, of doing it. As long as we're doing it with the eyes wide open, as long as we're doing it in a manner that um, allows for us not to jeopardize the entire entire system, I think is totally, totally doable. So is the justice sector ready for millennials? Um, I'm trying to get ready for them. Um, but I think I think they're rightly so are uh, putting a pressure on all of us to start getting out of our comfort zone and looking at innovation. Our goal eventually would be in especially issues where uh, things that are um, regularly people use in terms of justice system, paying a parking ticket or maybe a landlord-tenant uh, issue that hopefully we get to a point where online dispute resolution becomes um, an option. Um, but those are the kind of things that, that the millennials are asking us to do because they're actually quite accustomed to online dispute resolution. You know, um, um, the uh, eBay, for example, have an online dispute resolution mechanism for some time uh, for people who use this, uh, the service. And in fact, I think there are they're out there marketing that where you never see a person, everything is done uh, online. You, again, cannot have such an integral part of our society as the justice system sort of standing as an ex- uh, exception. Um, and, and in order for us, uh, for the millennials to be able to use the system, which they will use, everybody will have the need to, uh, need to use it, we need to make sure that we are adapting. What's at stake if we dismiss millennials? Ask Blockbuster. Um, it's my favorite example, right? There's a there's a market leader who completely ignored all the signs that said the market's changing. People no longer are going to walk into a store, pick up a DVD off the shelf, and bring it home. That technology is going to allow them to access this content wherever they are, whenever they are, however they want to. And Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix, and they didn't. And now Netflix is worth a hundred billion dollars. Blockbuster's bankrupt. So, I mean, that doesn't easily apply to the justice system, but what what is so important to understand about, I think, the generational change we're experiencing is 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 that it's it's core it's happening at the same time as inc- incredible technological change, and millennials are kind of the they're leading this the charge. They're the first adopters of Uber. They're the first adopters of Airbnb. They're the first adopters of all these incredibly disruptive technologies of the wealth simples, the robo investors, right? And the thing that people forget is it's I don't keep this great new service to myself. I don't keep this great new opportunity. I share it, not just with my fellow millennial colleagues, but I show my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and uncles. And so the real the real threat is that that there's a contagion, that, that people's expectations uh, change very quickly. We found that millennials want to see the justice sector respond to their established digital behavior, such as the inclination to search online for information about a major purchase or a health symptom before engaging the appropriate expert. As our guests underscored, this is a critical time for the justice sector to be paying attention to millennials. It's critical to ensuring the creation of relevant and effective access to justice responses. Architects of Justice is created and produced by Jane Kim and me, Sabrina Dellen. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. And please leave us a review. 
This podcast is supported by the Law Society of Ontario and the Law Foundation of Ontario. Architects of Justice is an initiative of TAG, the Action Group on Access to Justice. For resources and more information, visit theactiongroup.ca. Thanks to David Coletto, Yasser Nakvi, and Jeevith Rubakumar. <laughs>